Well, hello, travellers. Welcome to another edition of the Phil Hoffman Travel Podcast. You're in for an absolute treat today because we are going to learn about the five stands from the Glenelg office. Joe McLaren is here. Lovely to see you, Joe. Hello, Leith. Hello, listeners. Now, this is very unusual, isn't it? The yes, Phil it Hoffman is. Travel Podcast. Yes. You're used to sort of travelling <laughs> around the world. <laughs> Up mountains, mm. through jungles, mm. but we're great. To, we're delighted to have you here. You've just come back from a trip on the five stands. Before we talk about that, let's talk about you for a second. You seem to be the kind of traveller. You don't want to be sitting on a banana lounge in a resort. You seem to be someone who wants to get out there and you're more about adventure and experience. Leith, I love, um, I've always been an outdoor person growing up in the country, so I've always been a curious, you had to entertain yourself as you know, and so I have this wonderful sense of curiosity I guess, and I love reading, I love history, I love anthropology, another lifetime I'd probably be a... Anthrop- I just love people and I love history and so and I've read over the hundred uh, years and years and years ago I met this amazing young as a student I met these people from traveling to Australia from overseas and I just wanted to pack up and go back with them my parents yep. said no finish your education and um, so I've always been curious and then my journey goes into travel and yep. and but I I love and I I read, I love history. I, I remember reading about Marco Polo and the Silk Route and places like that and South America and all these wonderful places. And, of course, then culture and history and food and faiths and everything follows that. So it's really the migratory pattern of people around the planet yep. that is my interest and thus everything that goes with that. And then the layers of history and food and music and... Uh, people and of course politics gets in the way of everything as we know in our own lives but beyond all that it's um it's a fascinating world so yes and love the variety i love that yes to to lock me up somewhere and just dump me as uh somewhere and just say that's your holiday i'd be like (gasps) i'd be out in the street i'm exploring i want to i'd watch people and i go where are they going where are all these people going to and i'll follow them and you'll come across a local festival or you sit in the main square and you watch people uh just getting about their lives I affectionately refer to you as the Indiana Jones of the Phil Hoffman team because if someone's going to Bhutan, for example, mm. it will mm. be you. Mm. You've just taken a trip to the five stands and we thought we would let everyone know about the five stands, which you'll tell us about. But before that, when you think about stands, the two that come straight to mind are Afghanistan and Pakistan. And as a traveller, you think, I don't want to go to either of those countries. They're dangerous. <laughs> There's, we don't know what to expect. You're in that vicinity, but you're north a bit. Tell us about, Mm. well, firstly, the five stands. Yes, the five stands we're visiting is in Central Asia, and they are um, uh, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and Turkmenistan. And I'll tell you a little bit more about those. What did you know about them before you arrived? Well, I was, the reason I was always curious, and this was part of the world I was on my wish list was that it's part of the old silk route so pre-ship sailing around the planet and discovering so trades opened up the world whether it started with rivers on the river wonderful river boats we go on or and then it was overland so so trade was overland so it's really the one of the greatest trade routes in the history of man between east and west so our side of the world and china was always called the east Mm -hmm. and the west of course was the west europe and so these ancient trade routes, Marco Polo, Alexander the Great, 
Genghis Khan and across the great deserts and mountains and so my mind was always I I remember reading Marco Polo when I was a little girl yep. and um, and he's a more recent traveler across this area so I, I was always on that journey so the five stands if people are imagining a map so it's below Russia yes. it's just to the south of Russia it's just to the north if you like of Afghanistan Pakistan I guess more to the northeast would be uh, India and China so it's in that spot mm. right mm. between mm. And then going across to Europe further, across to the west, west. into Iran, and then Turkey. So south of the Caspian Sea, so and then uh, Turkey, Iran, cross into the stands, which is, you're right, southern Russia. And of course, during the Soviet days, from the early 1900s through to 1991, when the Soviet Empire collapsed, those countries are all under Soviet colonization so then that has a great influence on um uh, the food so it's rather it's quite western you'll probably ask me about that more and um so yeah so these countries have got their independence since 1991 and then they're finding their way and then politics gets in Mm. the road and power players and everything so it all gets kind of a little bit um, oh, oh, you know, we can go here and then we can't and it's hard to get a visa And but it's really opening up and ooh, people think of Uzbekistan you know, wonderful sun, sun, Samarkand and Bukhara yep. and these exotic, beautiful architecture like you've never seen before so a lot of people have you know, it's quite and even when we were travelling in this part of the world we were off the beaten track for many of the stands we went to then when we got into Uzbekistan on yep. that main route I heard a couple of Australian accents and I'd pick up and go, whoa, <laughs> because mostly Europeans. Because sure. you're quite close to, if you think about it, we're just the other side of the Caspian Sea. And, you know, that the western side, Turkey, Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, a yep. lot more people starting. That's the Caucasus, mm. what people knew about um, uh, Persia and the Caucasus. More about that later. That's my trip next year. And uh, but yeah, so a lot of Europeans travelling through this, starting to travel through this part of the world. But of the five stands we went to, um, Uzbekistan was the most touristy, yep. and then we're in Kyrgyzstan and uh, and to, and Tajikistan and Turkmenistan. We were w- off the beaten track. Turkmenistan's like uh, referred to like North Korea. Really, mm. we sort of think of Borat being from that kind <laughs> of area. That's so. How from Australia to get to the five mm. stands? Where do you go? Mm. Where do you land first? We actually went in through on China Southern out of Adelaide to Guangzhou yep. in China. Then we flew west to northernmost city of Urumqi in China, and then we went into Kazakhstan. Our five stands trip for next year will go in the other direction. Okay. It'll go. It will. We'll fly from Adelaide to uh, Dubai mm. on Emirates, and we'll fly back. It sounds like we're going backwards, but yep. Central Europe is so far towards Europe. We're about four hours, five hours back towards Greenwich Mean Time. Sure. So we've gone back past India. We've gone all the way back towards Turkey. So I, I should say west. So how I describe it, when I got back, Phil said, what was it like? And I said, mm. oh, my gosh, Phil. I felt like I was in the cradle of civilization. I felt like I'd gone – it put the dots together for me. I went back. It wasn't back. These are um, – and I've got some – I'm scratching around with paperwork here sometimes. Yep. But, Leith, look at these mosques. And Turkmenistan – Yep. 
Look at that. I'm holding up a photograph of Ashgabat, the capital of Turkmenistan, which is closed, has been, it's, it's really... Um, it's literally oh. something out of a Hollywood film. You, you wouldn't believe there would be such opulence. Oh. And, and I mean, we're looking at a statue here of a warrior with a golden shield and a golden sword and a golden helmet. The, I mean, the statue would be 10, 15, 20 foot tall. It's, it's what you do expect with when you watch Indiana Jones and they visit these sort of rich parts of the world that we know don't know anything about. It's amazing the contrast in the background. It's just mountains. That's right. And Turkmenistan, for example, as one of our five stands we went to, it's eighty percent desert, and it's um, and the actual capital, Ashgabat, is over near the mountains near Iran. So I was only like sixty kilometres away from Iran. However, it's oil rich and natural gas rich. Leith. Yep. So here's the uh, president over the decades pouring his money into building this incredible city of which is like another world. And that's why people refer to it as similar to to um, North Korea. And actu- actual fact, the ground operators are working with travel directors and Tony Evans, the architect of this tour, yep. one of the f- first, first to actually go in and put a trip together for the five stands. He was with us on much of this and he just sent his first trip into North Korea. And the other thing, while we're on Turkey, uh, on Turkmenistan, Leith, look at this image. It's, what does it look like? Well, it looks like a volcano. It looks like the mouth of a volcano or inside a cave. It's pitch black, but with a bright red light. Oh, what it's is It's a gas crater. This is in the desert in Turkmenistan. It's one of the greatest nation, um, man-made disasters on the planet. Yep. And we actually went there and camped in the desert. It's a gas crater. So when the Soviets were through this part of the world back in the um, last 80-odd years, but in the 70s drilling for gas, yep. natural gas, they just dropped their, their rig, just fell in. And I thought, mm, how do we get rid of the gases? Yep. We'll just light it and maybe it'll go away in a few days. It's still burning nearly 50 years on. So this is, and of course, this didn't even come to light to the Western world until tourists started to go in. And in fact, the locals, it's bizarre. So would you describe it? It kind of appears to be, so it's majority desert. No. But with the rich opulence that you yeah. would expect of a Dubai or a, a, yes. a, an oil rich country. Yes, for Turkmenistan, yes. And um, however, of this five stands, the first one we went into was Kazakhstan, yep. and yes, there's step, steps to the north, which is a, effectively open grasslands and farming. And and uh, then when we went into Kyrgyzstan, the next of our stands, we went into beautiful mountainous areas, mountains like um, the Tian Shan Mountains, which you could see from Almaty in Kazakhstan, these beautiful mountains. So the Himalayas... Uh, we know about the Himalayas, yep. you know, north of India, south of Nepal, all these wonderful places. This mountain range goes on and it's called different things, the Tian Shan, then the, then the Pamirs, which is uh, north of Afghanistan, south of T- uh, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan. These are some of the most beautiful mountains in the planet. When we went into um, Tajikistan... So you got snow-capped mountains and deserts yeah, all in yeah, the same location. because we're so high. We're so, so, so high. And also, when we went into Kyrgyzstan, 
Leith, we went into valleys that are so rich and these valleys are fed by glaciers and it's farming, it's rich farming, it's cotton, it's grapes, beautiful uh, fruit and apricots and peaches and yep. we were there in the in effectively the autumn at the end of their summer. So we were eating these amazing preserves and one of the lakes in um, Kyrgyzstan, which was astounding, this beautiful lake called Isakul Lake, that was all closed off by the Soviets during the whole Cold War and the Soviet time yep. and they were testing for submarines in the lake. So they'd close these narrow passes to get into these huge, big, beautiful, fertile valleys which is like we don't even know about. It's been closed up and opened up now for tourism. Yep. It's just surreal. There's a photo here where you've got the mountains in the range and right down the bottom in the right-hand corner is civilization. Mm. Mm. It's people, it's cars, it's a, mm. a little hut. Mm. It just shows you the sheer scale mm. of a place like this mm. where you almost as a human think, mm. how insignificant mm. are we that there is all this going mm. on? And it's an amazing contrast. It to is. The it really is. And then, of course, you get out into Uzbekistan, the great cities of Bukhara and Samarkand, and you know these wonderful, wonderful architecture. Like, here's our hotel in Bukhara, staying in an old, uh, an old uh, madrasa, which was effectively a university doing Islam, studying Islam, and. Um, but back to the mountains for a moment where you were talking about that. We're so high up, but mm. what's happening in this part of the world? And I'm jumping around a bit. I get so excited <laughs> about it. But the history throughout time, people maybe heard about the Great Game. Yep. And uh, because that was Russia and the British arguing, fighting mm. over this part of the world, Central Asia, because the British at that stage had India and the wealth of India yep. and the diamonds and the peacock um, throne and the wealth of India is immense on the world scale at that time. And so the great game was like 1700s through to 1800s into the 1900s, whereby Britain and Russia effectively plying for this part of the world because the, the uh, British didn't want the Russians to come down into India. They wanted to come into India. The Brits were trying to put, British were trying to push them back. So now uh, it feels like the great game still goes on between China and you're talking about how high up we are in the mountains and civilization. We went through tunnels through the mountains, which were like five and a half kilometers long. And some of the infrastructure being put in place because of the natural mm. riches of gas yep. oil in this part of the world so still the great powers plying for yep. and meanwhile the culture the people just are so beautiful i've never been anywhere in my life i felt so safe it's amazing the architecture it looks like old school meets new school you have the brown brick of that old sort of the architecture of that time but then you see the sheer opulence of those striking blue colours that you see in the architecture, mm. particularly mm. in that part of the world, as we saw some of the photos and, and people can check them out on the Phil Hoffman website. The mosques, for example, oh. the use of gold. Oh. As a tourist destination, do you need a little bit of adventure to go? Uh, is, it, is it history buffs would enjoy it? Is uh, it people that want to see something different than the Western world? Our 
group of people were really diverse in the sense that a few came because it was curiosity. It was somewhere they'd never been before. Others were on the trip because they had been young students studying in London or doing their PhD or something and they had a bit of adventure and time then as students. So they caught overland buses back yep. through the Khyber Pass and Pakistan and through India in those days. And others were photographers and others were academics. I had this wonderful, wonderful man. I'm just going to read you, if you wouldn't mind, Leith, just something he wrote back to me. But he, um, and it's a good description, but if I can paint a picture of him, very well-travelled, very, very well-travelled, he and his academic wife. They've been everywhere in the world. They came into this trip because it's difficult to get visas for some of this part of the world. And also you do need to go in as a group. And also the trip we took was the only chance to go to the five stands. He would be reading um, 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 the um, quantum physics on the bus right. in his downtime. <laughs> and he'd already learnt the language. He knew Russian. He'd already, you know, he was literally. But he said to me, um, the trip was better than I thought it would be. The attention to detail, both before and during the entirety of the trip, was amazing. The quality and variety of transport and hotels was excellent, and the many surprises are additional delights. Although I knew something of the history of this region, now that's an understatement, he's a historian, um, the tour opened up many avenues for further to pursue further. The geography, especially the huge, huge amount of agriculture, was an eye-opener as was the beauty of many places, both natural and man-made. Mm. So he's referring to these ancient, massive mountains. Yep. But the richness, because these the glaciers feed these rich, fertile valleys. They're some of the most amazing and huge rivers. So with any settlement, humans followed the rivers yep. and food and water. And then they had to cross incredibly dangerous deserts to get to some of these fertile valleys so it is but the trip also leith who goes on a trip like this and i explain some of the people but one of the highlights for all of us i think and surprises was a variety of transport we're on old russian uh, four-wheel drive army trucks to get deep into the mountains mm-hmm. to view a glacier we were on um, funny little old buses going up, a, like old Russian buses. We were on high-speed trains through Uzbekistan. Yep. We were on in convoys of four-wheel drives to get it through the desert, to get high up into those mountains, at, to isolated lakes, and the, and the variety of accommodation. We were staying in madrasas, like ancient old um, universities. And then we'd be in a five-star hotel at one of the more modern cities yep. and then we'd be camping in the desert and then we're at a we're at a, a cabin way out in an isolated lake high up in the mountains where alexander the great had been and then we're somewhere else where genghis khan had um you know kept all his slaves and this was it was an assault of the senses and the local guides we're in um bukhara and samarkand and we're standing there and our guide is She's the history uh, professor at the Tashkent University. This is her downtime for yep. a summer break because she's making more money. It's, it's amazing. It's, oh. Are the stands different? Very different. The five stands are all different from each other? Uniquely different. Yep. Absolutely uniquely different. 
the, the peoples are similar mm-hmm. in a sense that years ago from Genghis Khan coming from Mongolia, strong Mongolian influence mm-hmm. from, you know, thousands and thousands. Like, we're talking history 3,000 years old. Mm-hmm. We stood in front of petroglyphs, which are carvings on stones from people living in these regions from 3,000 years ago. The Persian Empire um, and Iran, there's... The Persians came all through this world, so there's a Persian influence. Um, Tajikistan actually have speak per- they they have a Persian, you know they speak Persian, and yet other stands are more influenced from Mongolian infiltration. Yep. But so Russia, whilst they bought great education and food, that's only been like the 1700s. I was going to ask that. There are so many influences. Oh. The five stands are bang in the middle of oh. Russia oh. and China and Pakistan, Afghanistan. Oh. As you mentioned, you've got Turkey. Is it a combination of all the languages? And and then think about the ancient trade routes from 2,500, 3,000 years ago, people going through this region, yep. from India up into the mountains, from Iran, from the Caucasus, from Constantinople, Istanbul, from... from um, you know the the um, Alexander the Great coming mm-hmm. from Italy, Marco Polo. So I mean, noodles are uh, spaghetti yep. comes from noodles in China. Yep. You know all this. Uh, <laughs> it's it's weird. It plays with your head. It's surreal. You just at the beginning of the trip, the people are saying, "What are we doing now, Joe? How's this happening? What's happening?" And then after a few days, they just go. Oh, another surprise. <laughs> there were borders we went through, like commuting, travelling, and Turkmenistan is one of the hardest to get into. Our passports disappeared for, didn't disappear. We had to have them for three months. And people going, Joe, you can't, I can't. Yeah, I'm a traveller. Yep. Don't take my passport away. You know, it's like I was even nervous about that. It was like, oh, my gosh. It reminded me working behind the curtain in Russia mm. because there's still a strong Russian influence. The food... Um, is the food as diverse for the five stands? Is it the same as their influence from China, from Russia, I, or is not it as more much, Asian? It, it, I that surprised me because I thought, oh my gosh, you know, Central Asia, we're going to get a fairly strong influence of Chinese, of perhaps a bit of Indian. No, strong influence more of Russian, and Russia's Western, more yep. Western. So, I mean, look at these beautiful bread. Yep. What does that look like? Just looks like a bakery here in Glenelg. <laughs> but aren't they a strange shape? They are unusual. They're a big round. They're like a pizza, almost like a, a a thick pizza, if you like, with the middle taken out, almost like a donut with the hole still in it. And they cooked in a tajan. They cooked in a big earthenware pot. Yep. Think about and here's perhaps an Indian influence because those big earthenware pots that you'll go if you go to an Indian restaurant. And you'll see them put the bread slapper inside, like the fires yep. in the base of the big earthenware pot. Yep. And they'll slap the bread inside and then cook. That's how they cook this bread. And some of them be uh, f- um, like this wide, nearly half a metre wide, like a big pizza base. And it's beautiful. And they've got all these stack designs of which baker makes this bread or who makes this bread. So this bread, you know, you kind of go, oh, I don't eat a lot of bread. You couldn't stop eating this bread. <laughs> There's a big Coca-Cola sign in the background. Oh, yeah. Have, has Western civilization... Since the Russians, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, very much so. Because you don't see many neon lights or it doesn't no. appear to be... It's still got that old school charm but with a little influence yes. of... And then you'll see, you'll go to uh, like, um, you'll go to a city um, in, Tiga, in uh, T- Tajikistan and... And the, here's a Russian influence. I'm yep. holding a photograph up now to Leith of... Like a Russian church. Yeah, a wooden church. 
So that's 150 years old or something, strong Russian influence, because when the Russians came to this part of the world, basically it was nomad still. Mm. Yes, those great cities of Samarkand, these beautiful big silk route cities of wealth and everything from trade all those years ago. And some of these ancient sites were pretty well, you know, they're still beautiful, but it wasn't until it opens up again the last couple of hundred years that you realised how magnificent these empires were and, of course, those old old cities are being restored again. But the Russian influence um, basically built schools for education. So the locals, all the stands, whichever stand they're from, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, they all thank their Russian influence yep. for education. Of course, their Russian influence is still strong for them. Yep. It's the last hundred years. So their parents and their grandparents were strong under soviet rule so um that's still strong it's still evident it's still there two questions before we let you go i'm sensing you are loving the stance and and we hope that the word pictures are doing it justice because it really needs to be seen to be believed this particular part of the world when you talk about the five stands and you talk about religion a traditionally muslim the five stands does that play in terms of if you're a tourist going over there, if you're seeing this, do you have to, obviously, the local customs, is there things that people should know before they go they can and can't do? I uh, There were times that we were told to cover our heads up to go mm-hmm. into a mosque, yep. like in Turkmenistan, a little bit more um, strict. So you take your shoes off and sure. cover your shoes and then go in. We're allowed in, yep. but we had to cover our hair our head and men would need to wear long pants but mm-hmm. predominantly uh just in most of the places people it was te- temperate weather so people have shorts oh, yep. high up in the mountains a bit sure. cooler but but the islam influence a muslim influence of this part of the world and these ancient the architecture is absolutely beautiful some of these areas have been christian they've been ancient cultures before yep. this is you know this is the world we live in but yes we deep gone deep into a strong um, Islamic influence mm-hmm. now under Soviets, no influence or not allowed to be because you prayed to the yep. powers of the Soviet. And um, however, since then these cultures are embracing their culture again. But they will they're very open faith wise, yep. um, and because of that wonderful rich heritage, you've got a richness of character and music's really strong the poetry's really strong picture joanna lumley and her series Mm -hmm. going across the silk route from west to east well effectively joe mclaren phil hoffman travel been going east to west west. so she spoke a lot about those that saw it about the poets about the architecture about the about uh education and these people are so well read they're so well educated the history is so ancient they it's so rich they're so proud of that i've never traveled anywhere in the world leith that i felt so at peace so calm so you would have the conversations you would have with some of our local guides and they'd say joe quietly without the rest of the group being there they'd say to me from your western perspective Mm -hmm. what do you think about Putin or from your western perspective what do you think about us have you heard about us what do you think we're like and you kind of don't even want to answer <laughs> because you feel so ignorant because yep. you don't realize that my gosh it's I guess the best description could be um, more uh, 
Eastern Mediterranean, where you start to get into the ancient cultures of, look, we've got ancient all around Syria and northern Egypt, and we start to learn a little about it. But most of us, we don't even hear about this part of the world. But, oh, my gosh, it is the richness of it, the wealth of it, the curiosity, the... It's just, yes, it it put dots together for me that were voids that I went, ah, now a lot more makes sense. Now I understand. Yep. Now I know how how the printing presses got across to Europe, how silk got to Europe, how something went back the other way. And it's just a rich world of travel for a curious, a photographer. And it's one of the sa- – if you'd left your bag or your wallet sitting somebody, somewhere, somebody would have found it and come back to you and given it back to you. I don't even need to ask my last question because you have summed it up beautifully. It's why everyone should visit the five stands if they get the opportunity. Give us the five stands again. We all need to get out our atlas. <laughs> we need to get on our iPhones and look them up. If anyone's got a globe at home, I don't know if people still do. It's a beautiful thing, a globe to play with. Uh, the five stands. Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan course you can go to any of the 10 phil hoffman travel offices you can find out more online at pht.com.au and of course there are the social media channels as well thanks for listening to the podcast thanks Dave.